Thank you very much, Anita. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the fact that you've created us, you've given us a relationship with you, you've given us your spirit to live within us, and as was just sung, Christ, we have him, he is our life. You've given us your word. So we consider a portion of it this morning. We want to be attentive, hearing, living, doing your word for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Imagine with me, if you can, a herd of white-tailed deer standing together, observing birds flying. As they observe, one deer comments to another. I think it would be wonderful to be able to fly. In a few minutes, they all came to the same conclusion that they would like to fly. So they develop a white-tailed deer flying society. They take the following action. They develop a net to go between their legs on each side to create some resistance. So they go to a cliff and one of them jumps off and lands at the bottom and the sudden stop does them in. And another tries and another tries and just doesn't work. So they decide they're going to go visit a vet and see if the vet can do some surgery to make their legs go out more rather than just going forward, you know, so that They can have a little greater resistance and design something, you know, that they have some wings, they can kind of fly. But in the process of doing that, they find that they can't run when someone comes after them. So they lose a lot of deer because the predators prey on them. In time, they decide that they will be content with being a white-tailed, Dear, do you ever think about we as human beings? How we live and how we respond and how we are tempted to fight God's design. And I realize deer never did that. But to illustrate a point that God designed men, He designed women, He designed children. And we want to look in Genesis chapter 1, some in chapter 2, and some in chapter 3 this morning. And keeping in mind that God gave Israel Genesis, probably came many years after creation, and gave them some guidance on how to live and how to respond. And want to read Genesis 1, 26 through 31, keeping in mind that We are in day six of creation. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. 
Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. It will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move in the ground, everything that has a breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Just a few thoughts in this passage. So we think about Genesis 1 and womanhood. It speaks of male and female. Male and female being created in the image of God. And the image of God is a study that you could spend a fair amount of time on. But I want you to notice that they're equally, both male and female are created in the image of God. We're not dealing with a physical likeness. Part of image of God involves ruling over. Part of image of God involves community. Because we have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in eternity past. Now we have Adam and Eve, known community. The ability to converse, communicate, along with other items. They're equally endowed, both male and female, equally valuable. He made male, he made female. Again, in the image of God, both male and female are unique and special. They each have a role. They have a function to fulfill. You need both. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's kind of like you need both your heart and blood if either of them is to have any effect in your body. Male, female. Image of God, equally endowed, equally valuable, unique and special. It speaks of male and female calling in verse 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, I'm sorry, that's verse 27. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. We're over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Involves both male and and female. They are to subdue the earth. And we're still in process of seeking to do that today. They were to rule over the earth. Again, that's God's call to both male and the female. We find in Genesis 1, there's a hint at a very important social structure that there seems to be different roles. I'll skip over to chapter 2. We'll begin reading with verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man named or called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God called or made a woman from the rib. He had taken out a man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Notice that Eve was created second, coming from Adam's rib. Apparently God created Adam. He named the animals. And then Adam would have been put into sleep. And he created Eve. Eve was given her role second. She was a suitable helper. Notice that Adam names Eve. Adam named the animals. He also named Eve. That's part of dominion. That's part of leadership as you look at scripture. No naming. Adam having a role. Eve having another role. Notice in verse 23, we read this verse. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now, if I may choose to indulge a little, I'm going to give what I think Adam may have responded like, and this is probably mild. So he gets up from his sleep. He awakes from his sleep, and he sees this woman. He has named all the animals. There's no suitable helper for him. He's named the cows, male and female, birds, you know, the eagles, and so on. And he gets done naming the animals, and there's no one. Gets awake from his sleep. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken from man. I'm adding this, wow. There was excitement. I got to help her. Verse 25 says, The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And as you read the flow of the text, the flow of the text seems to communicate, we're not dealing merely with a physical nakedness. We're dealing with a nakedness of life. For you wives, do you ever have someone in your family, particularly guys, whether it be your husband or your sons, you ask them a question, how'd work go today? Okay. 
Well, how was uh, football today? It was okay. Now, if you were answering, you would have all kinds of words. When Adam came home, if he did, we don't know how it worked. And Eve said, what would you do today? Adam probably just really explained. Were you struggling with today, Adam? And, you know, he just explained. There was an openness. There was nothing to hide. There was a nakedness. Adam, Eve. We go to chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we meet fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig trees, to, sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man said, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. And notice some things about this passage. The tempter came to the woman. Came to... Eve, but he came to the woman at this point. She has not received her name Eve yet in light of the text. But he came to the woman. Who did God instruct? Would have instructed the man. Notice that Eve takes the lead. Did God really say, the serpent said, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman responds. Eve takes Adam's responsibility and seems to be rejecting her role as a helper. Rather than saying, Adam, what do you think? She responds. Then two through six, it becomes clear that Eve is deceived. And Eve accepts her choice to be deceived. We are not focusing on primarily Adam or the man at this point in time. But notice in verse 12 or 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. That's what happened. The serpent deceived her. 
that stands in contrast to the man who blamed his wife. Notice Eve's curse in verse 16 is based on her usurping God's created order in verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. The woman had a role. She was a helper. She was to compliment. But because of what happened between with the man and the woman, I greatly increase your pains in childbearing. I will not comment on pains in childbearing. I've never been through it. I will never go through it. But having seen Ruth Ann go through it four times, a lot of pain, I think. Tied in with the curse. Your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. The dynamics between the man and the woman changed after the fall. Reproduction takes on pain. Being a helper is a struggle. And that continues to this day. Notice Eve's deception. Not limited to Eve, Adam is also involved. Unleashes the destructive forces of abuse of women. Consider how many women are hurt by men. Men are responsible for their actions. But how many women are hurt by men in various ways? Goes back to creation. Goes back to Adam and Eve. And the fall, which brought in all kinds of issues and struggle as a result. And if we were to give, ask for opportunity for sharing by ladies, how many of you have been hurt by a man in some way? Probably a fair number would respond. Notice Eve is renamed by Adam. A continuing sign that she's a helper even after the fall. In chapter 3 and verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. And this is after the curse that was placed upon the ground and so on in relation to Adam. Adam named his wife. Again, naming and ties in with leadership, ties in with a role. And no, a role Adam had, a role Eve had, but both being created in the image of God, but having different roles. Now, in light of that, what we see in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we find that God created 
the woman, to be a helper, not to be the leader within the dynamics of the home. He created woman to be a complement, not to compete. He created her to follow, not to give orders. He created her to wait, not to be impatient. He created her to help him think and to feel and rather than to do all the thinking and the feeling. A wife, a mother, compliments a husband, a father. She cannot take his role, nor can he take her role. Both are essential for children. And for a single mother, she should not try to be mother and father. She should seek to be mother only because that's what God designed her to be. Older men should, and men in the church and so on, maybe neighbors should step in and seek to help. No, with the father role. When there's within children, a mom and dad, and they're together, mother should not seek to take the role of dad. Just being a mother. And dad doesn't always do what he's supposed to do. We know that. But still, fulfill the role as mother. I'm going to share a word from a man to you ladies. The more a woman attempts to play the role of the Holy Spirit, the more the man is tempted to dig in and resist. How many times have, has Ruth Ann thought, I'm using Ruth Ann since she's my wife, Dan just isn't doing what he, and you can finish it. And her thinking is, got to get him on the move. And I told her years ago, I said, when you try to get me to do things, even those items that are biblical, I'll tell you what I do. Just naturally do it. I dig my heels in and say, no. I may never tell her that. That is why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, as he writes to wives, and writing to those who have an unsaved husband to develop a gentle and quiet spirit. And then he talks about don't give in to fear. See, one of the things that women battle with is fear. My guy's not doing what he's supposed to. And if he doesn't do it and I don't do it, we're in big trouble, so I'm going to do it. As an example, if I don't get my husband to correct her son, we'll lose him. A gentle and a quiet spirit, a helper mindset, lets the Holy Spirit work. Fearful women tempt men to be passive. The fear that men will mess things up on the part of mothers is a genuine concern. 
men have and will mess things up very deeply. But to yield to fear has a deep impact. Sarah messed things up to some extent. But yet, she is held up as a model for women to follow. Rebecca sent Jacob away, creating a barrier with, in the family. Rachel gave Jacob her maid to have children. But if God, as God works, he wants to use imperfect wives, imperfect mothers, as he wants to use imperfect men and imperfect husbands and fathers. But he gives roles to fulfill. How many times has a mother been tempted to push her guy to do something? And if I don't do it, he won't do it. And he's not doing it. So I will respond in a way that is not the way God designed. Now you have two people out of their role rather than one. As I've listened to sons and daughters, some of them young, some of them teenagers, some of them adults, I've heard quite often, I'm thankful for a mother who was a mother and was content in being a mother. When dad did not do what he was supposed to, she continued to fulfill the role that God called her to do. I'm thankful for that. I at least had one parent that was following God, even though my dad didn't. The wrong of one does not mean a wife, a mother, should not respond in a godly way. God has given us roles, contentment in them for God's glory. Wives, mothers, grandmothers, you have a unique role in your children's lives, whether they're young, teenagers, or adults, that only you can fill. And as you fulfill your role in light of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, Realizing that is not fulfilled with perfection. We're not talking about perfection here, but seeking to walk in sensitivity to God. When it comes to the end of your journey on this earth, well done. It's not how anyone else responded. It's how you have lived and respond. Responded. You're given a new unique role. It's not a secondary role. It's not an inferior role. It's a very unique role that impacts very, very deeply not only your sons and your daughters, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. 
God designed us with unique roles. Fulfill them. Live in light of them. Your glory as mom. Your children's life, your grandchildren's life, and your great-grandchildren's life is to be a godly, loving, companion, helper, gentle, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, delighting in your children, loving your children, as a man cannot do. No man can fulfill the role that a woman has. You have a high and holy calling. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for mothers. They have a role that no one else can fulfill. As we look down through the pages of Scripture, as we look down through the pages of history, we see that in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of fallenness, that you continue to work. Eve was deceived. Adam didn't take leadership, but you stepped in and you pursued them. We come to Abraham and Sarah, and there was some difficulty there, but yet you continued to work in their life. Come to Isaac and Rebekah, there was difficulties there, along with Jacob and Rachel and his family, but yet you pursued them, and you continued to work. And there is a godly remnant because you're working. And I pray for mothers today that they might grasp and understand in a deep way that they have a unique role. They impact their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren very, very powerfully. May they have wisdom in being mothers, godly mothers. Encourage them. May they not look to the world system for how things should be. Look to your word and with Christ living in them, your spirit at work in them. May they find grace to be very rich as they respond in their roles to children, to grandchildren. Those who are older, use them to impact and encourage and minister to younger mothers. Those who are younger mothers being open and sensitive to older ladies that build into their life. One generation impacting another generation. Many times, several generations. We know that's part of your design. So bless mothers for your glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.